With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, we have just seen the climax of the first knockout ranking tournament of the season. And we must say congratulations to Kyron Wilson, who has won the European Masters. He has beaten Barry Hawkins 9-3 in the final in Firth in Germany. It's a fifth ranking title for Wilson. His first really big one since the German Masters in 2019. Very much Kyron's night. And he really has kicked off the season proper in style. Yeah, absolutely. You can't get any uh, can't get any better than that. Uh, great win for him. Nine three against Barry Hawkins. The final sounds uh, hugely impressive, doesn't it? And of course it is. Any winning ranking titles hugely impressive. Beating someone that good that comfortably is very impressive. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll get onto this. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a final. It wasn't a classic final. Not one to remember really. But it will be for Kyron because, as you say, a fifth ranker. That's Superb work that puts him uh, alongside what the list here. It puts him alongside Stephen Lee and Ray Reardon, which is a bit of an odd one with Ray Reardon, doesn't it? Because that's when the World Championship wasn't necessarily a ranking tournament, which is very odd. Um, but yeah, it's it's great stuff for uh, for Kyron. Uh, Eighty grand in the pocket on the rankings. Perfect way to start the season. Not a bad week's work at all, indeed. A, a brilliant week's work for Kyron, indeed. Yeah, I noticed that. I think. Yeah, Ray Reardon's better than that, isn't he? he <laughs> he's one of those crossover players where you see genuine all-time greats of the sport that are on that list. You think, yeah, had they been ranking events in your day, you'd have been miles, miles higher. But i tell you what I did notice, the guys on six, and that, I thought that was also quite telling. You've got Ken Doherty, Stuart Bingham, Stephen Maguire and Mark Allen, and that's pretty good company for Kyron. And just saying this to you before we came on air, you never want to say overdue, it's a bit strong because Kyron is, you know, a serial challenger for the big titles. But that German would have been early 19, wouldn't it? So it just, I mean, he's won the Championship League since, but that's kind of short format and that's never going to have the same status, frankly, as these sort of bigger events. So it feels like 
I mean, he might think quietly it was overdue. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that shows uh, the, the high regard he's held in now because, yeah, 2019 is not, not that far long ago, but that was the finally beat Dave Gilbert in. So that, that does seem like quite a while ago, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah, obviously the Championship League. But, yeah, the first big one since then does seem like a, a while ago for someone who's been sort of entrenched in the top 10 in the world since then. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, that just shows how highly beat everyone regards Kyron, how used how used we are to seeing him at the deep end of tournaments. Uh, that it's a bit surprising he's not picked one up since then, but it's a good one. It's a good one to win. It's still, still, he's not got one the very biggest ones on his CV, but he'll be very happy uh, picking up these. Uh, I guess you'd call a medium ranking events, wouldn't you? Something like that. And that's in no way disrespectful. It's a very good tournament. It's just not quite the highest echelon, is it? But it's a very good one. It's a nice way of saying it. You don't normally get one of those this early, but it's well deserved, <laughs> I think. Phil, can we, in all honesty, claim this as a victory for Talking Snooker? I mean, Kyron, only on this podcast last month, I mean, we did it for Dave Gilbert last year. I mean, I don't know, you can, you can kind of overstate our influence, but what I am thinking is that a lot of players will want the March, early April slot now, won't they? Just before Sheffield, they'll be knocking on the door to get on. Surely, yeah. And I think he was telling us about his... Uh... His new attitude, he was going to take this season, take the pressure off and try and enjoy it. Uh, and yeah, look, I mean, hopefully that venting his feelings to us has helped him secure that. And it's it's, it's gone off to the, the perfect start with his new attitude. And hopefully he can keep that going. He said, he was saying in his speech afterwards that uh, it wasn't just his brother, it was his dad and his best friend, I think he said, that went with him. Um, so there was a real sort of, uh, family lads on tour vibe for them. And uh, he just uh, said he was having a really good time and clearly it's paid off. So, um, yeah, no, it was uh, great timing for us to have him on just before this. And I guess the acid test maybe, because we had Gilbert on, didn't he, before his first ever and as yet only ranking tournament. Let's get him back on and see if he wins another one. Then we, and that's proof then. That would be the evidence. That would be the evidence to end all evidence, Phil. You're quite right. You told me, didn't you? And I'll, I'll let everyone know in a minute why I really didn't follow uh, any action, particularly for this final. That Dave Hendon mentioned us in commentary, which we're most grateful for, aren't we? For that, that's a, that's a really, really lovely and a nice mention for us there. Uh, because you're right, I'm being a little bit uh, flippant and funny, but really, Kyron did, you know, say very clearly on here. You know, he said, "I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna disappoint you with the answer," but he didn't really disappoint us. It was a good answer. No. He was saying, "You know, I'm taking that that pressure off. I'm gonna start enjoying enjoying myself." And actually, there is a little bit with Kyron. You know, maybe certainly last season that you thought, you know, he does sometimes seems like he's not quite enjoying it as much as he could do. He made a couple of funny comments about going out of World Championships. It didn't seem like. I think Chris Downer was saying when he was on with us. Not quite like Kyron comments when he went out. You know, he didn't quite have the same battling qualities he, he normally does. Maybe he lost a little bit of heart. But listen, we of course, we take him at face value anyway. But what a way to instantly pay dividends this is, isn't it? This is the, you know, if he didn't think it was the right way to go already, this will give him all the confidence in the world, won't it, about this, you know, even if it's just a lot of it in the head. You know, if a player tells himself or themselves they've got a new approach, if it's working... Keep at it. Yeah, exactly. It's whatever you do, really. People picking up new cues, they get a new coach, they do anything. And uh, if you if he 
if he's done that himself without any sort of help from anyone else, mental coach or anything, he's just decided to give himself a new mindset and it's worked straight away. I mean, what a skill that is because it's very is is one thing just telling yourself to enjoy something more, and it's a completely different thing to actually do it. You know, we can all tell ourselves to, oh, just have a, just enjoy yourself more at work or whatever. Uh, you know, in a relationship or anything. You know, it's it's not that easy to actually just go and do that. So if he's been able to do that immediately, then you know, he's he's very skilled in the mind, and I think we knew that about him anyway because he had a great mindset for snooker. Uh, and before, but um, yeah, it's very impressive. It is, and you know, changing sports a bit. This isn't this isn't great timing. They're going to just taken a hammering, haven't they? At the hands of <laughs> cricket. Yeah. But, but early this summer, when they kept winning those dramatic Test matches against New Zealand, and then they beat India in that held over game, I remember sort of saying at work. I think some of the guys follow cricket sort of more intensely than I do, probably to the levels you do actually as well. And I was saying, well. These are mostly the same players. I mean, I know sport can be quirky and funny and it can go in cycles, but I just want to have a bit more of a, you know, an explanation for this. And Derek Pringle, who is a columnist for, for us at Metro, and a brilliant one, was just sort of saying they just seem to have thrown off the shekels a little bit and started to enjoy their cricket more, have the feeling of a new era. And it's just funny that you can sometimes do that. It, it's, it's intangible almost. You can somehow have those spells. As I say, England have been hammered now, so... It may, it may have already run its course. But if you take that pressure off yourself and just say, no, I'm just going to try and enjoy it a bit more, it, it's, it's, it sounds so hard to do, but when you crack it, 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 it can pay dividends. I think especially in that sort of situation, and I suppose that it could work in snooker as well, when it equates to literally a style of play. You know, the, the, those cricketers were just playing shots that they, they didn't really think they were allowed to play in test cricket. But when they let themselves do it... Um, then it, then it works like spectacularly. And I suppose, I'm not sure that's really what Kyron was doing here, but I suppose it could do if you don't, if you just don't let yourself get bogged down by fear of missing shots or getting dragged into safety battles and stuff and just play what you were doing in practice. People talk about that a lot, don't they? Just trying to play your practice game, taking on the shots you would then. Um, then, that, yeah, that gives you the freedom to to play as well as you can. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it's a men- the, the combination of, um, the mental side and and actually letting that, you know, flow into the things you do physically. Yeah, no, well explained indeed from you there. Well, Phil, I should say that I'm very much speaking to you and everyone here away from home. I am actually in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland. It's my first trip here for more than a decade and, you know, really it's a delight to be here. It's a very special place, this really incredible nat- natural sites, otherworldly type landscapes. I was saying to you before, it's a real proper thriller of a place for a travel lover to visit. And um, I don't like to make a habit of, of broadcasting on my holidays, but it is near the start of the trip. And um, Sunday night is snooker night, Phil, and we've seen the tournament come and go. So, you know, I, I am here and uh, it's a great pleasure as ever to speak with you. And I have to say, Phil, I'm not sure I've been in many more, if any more, romantic uh, settings for any episode of the pod, Son is just uh, going down here over the over the old harbour, uh, the mountains in the distance. So it, it's a it's a pretty special place, Reykjavik and Iceland in general. But I don't want to go on too much because this is I'm thinking it'll become a little bit like the old days when you had to sit through other people's holiday snaps on home video <laughs> and to enjoy it. But uh, it, it, it's lovely, and uh, you know it's um, it's expensive here. Not not you know not getting here anymore. That's where. Frankly, the economic crash uh, 
pay dividends in that sense to travelers. It's not doesn't cost a fortune to, to get here. Um, but when you are here, it's expensive. But you can budget and be careful. There are things you can do to save money. So um, I, I know you're a big travel person as well. I know you say it's on your list, but I say to say anyone that fancies, if you're from the UK, I know many of our listeners are, and you fancy flying a couple of hours and seeing somewhere that's almost like another planet, then I have to recommend this place. Yeah, I always heard amazing things. I've never been, but um, yeah, I would love to go. Uh, <laughs> one, one of my small links to Iceland is... Um, the band I played in when I was a teenager, I played in a heavy metal band called Heckler, which was named after an Icelandic volcano. Um, so if you get to see Heckler while you're there, it would mean a lot to me, actually. I played with them for a couple of years around Sheffield. Um, yeah, And I was thinking, because you mentioned this before, obviously, there's a, there is a snooker link there. Christian Helgeson, the Icelandic player, he played the Crucible 20-odd um, years ago now. I think he played in 2000. But um, I don't remember too much about watching him play at the time, but... Must have been a good player to get to the Crucible. I had a look at his his run to, to Sheffield that year, beat Joe Johnson in the qualifiers, beat Rod Lawler. Um, who else did he beat? Terry Murphy. So, yeah, shout out to Christian Helgeson while we're doing the Icelandic snooker link. Exactly. No, I like that. And you know what? That That's a, a great memory from you. I did have, actually have a look at whether there'd be any clubs here. There are three or four clubs in Reykjavik. They're all quite a distance away, so I don't I don't know if I will get a chance to go in. Reykjavik is not a massive place, but, you know, so it's a, when I say a long, long way away, it's probably not more than about a mile and a half, two miles, but it's one of those where we've got quite a lot on our agenda for this trip, so I'm not sure I'll be able to get there. But, listen, that was a, that's, a, that's a really good link from you. from you, And, um, yeah, because you were going through those results, and I, I don't remember Joe Johnson playing that late. It's funny, you, you know, you lick him... Think of him very much an '80s man, but he's one of those sort of band of players in the '80s that went on a bit bit longer than you actually think into the sort of 2000s. But um, yeah, that was a hell of a thing, really. An Icelandic player re- reaching the crucible, played Stephen Lee there, didn't he? We were just looking before we came on, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's not a, a country, I guess, with with an enormous sporting heritage. Of course, they've been doing very well in football, of course, haven't they? We, you know, we mm. as Englishmen, we don't want to think about too much about Euro 2016, when, of course, they recorded that most famous of win, wins against Roy Hodgson's team. But that they they love that team here. I mean, hardly surprising. But when they play in those big tournament matches, we think we get big viewing figures, like, for our games. But they get, like, 98% of the country watching. I mean, it's an extraordinary small population anyway, but almost everyone watches the games. You know, they really... You can imagine how much pride they take in that, when you you know you have to sort of come here to appreciate it. I mean, I think Reykjavik, I could be wrong, but I think the population is about 130,000, 140,000. It doesn't mm. even feel like that much. I mean, it it feels like a, a small old place. And you think they've actually got a football team that have been mixing it with the best and getting far in tournaments. I know we're going off topic, but um, it's amazing. And even to have a snooker player for me, to have anyone at top level sport from a country like this is kind of remarkable. Yeah, because I think the whole country is only 400,000 or something like that, isn't it? You know, it might even be less, I'm not sure. Something like that. Um, you know, it's like a, a reasonably small city in, or medium-sized city here, isn't it? So, yeah, um, crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know what Christian's up to these days. I did, I did notice he played in, in the Gibraltar Open only a couple of years ago. Um, so uh, hopefully he's still playing. I'm sure he is. He may well still be racking up Icelandic titles there. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, if anyone knows, I'm sure someone listening to this will know. So let us know. I might do a little bit of Christian Helgerson digging for the rest of the trip and see if I can come up with a, 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 at least a nugget or two for next time. But as a well-remembered from you. And uh, so this is a, a, a kind of a, 
a nice Landig edition, a half ice Landig edition anyway, talking snooker. But of course, uh, international sport this, and we've been focusing on events in Germany. And as I say, I tried to watch a little bit on Discovery. I came in from a, a, a long day watching, uh, seeing some, uh, do some sightseeing around Reykjavik and wanted to watch a little bit of the snooker. But actually, Discovery didn't seem to extend to Iceland, which is a bit disappointing. So I couldn't quite catch up. So it's very much sort of following on, on social media and yourself and other people. And from what I can gather of what you said already, it was not a final that we'll be buying each other on video for Christmas. It seemed like quite a... A, a hard final to love. It was six two for, for Wilson, and I was thinking, you know, uh, just for selfish reasons, got a big tour, a Golden Circle tour tomorrow. I don't want to be too late, but it caught me by the hop. It was so quick. I was just finishing up my fish and chips, getting a message from you. It's already over. Well, I knew it was six two, but I kind of thought Barry would make a bit of a fight for it. But it was over by not long after eight pm British time. So listen, we have so many great finals, we can't really complain. But this this was not one of them. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't. Um, and either of them, really. I mean, Kyron won it comfortably, and I don't think he would rate his performance particularly highly. One, one fifty break, um, made you know quite a lot of mistakes, but uh, Barry just wasn't punishing them, and Barry was making more. Um, yeah, after the intercept, six two to Kyron um, after the first session, and then uh, it sort of summed up Barry's day really. And the first, the first frame back, he he made his highest break of the day. And still managed to lose that frame, and it really just, just seemed that yeah, that was the end of things. Then um, again, I mean, the game seemed to be over. Then I can't even remember which frame it was. It might have been the penultimate frame where he was in, and he just he he popped the black, I think, or the pink. He popped the color and just went down to play the next red, and then realized it wasn't on. And that's <laughs> that's the one he mentioned in uh, in his losing speech at the end. He said, "You, you know, you're playing bad." When you're playing for reds that aren't even potable, so um, he did. He, you know, he was pretty disconsolate at the end. He was saying it was a bad day, terrible day, but he was trying to convince himself. He said it was a good week, though, I suppose, um, and it was, of course. You know, a run to the finals are great, and you never want players who lose in that sort of situation to get too down because you know you've done the second best of anyone all week. It's still a great result, but you could easily go away really disheartened after. You know, as he said, a terrible day, but um, he had a, he had a very good run to that. But yeah, no, it was a it was a final to forget really. Um, that break from Barry and that frame he lost was sixty four, and that was the highest break in the game. Um, which I'd be surprised if we would see when the ne- I don't know when the next time is we'll see a final where sixty four is the highest break of the whole game. Even if it was a a very short format final, you'd be surprised if that happened. Never mind twelve frames. Um, so, yeah, strange because um, we'll go through the tournament soon, but there's some really high-quality stuff, especially from Hawkins, who'd been brilliant. But, you know, we don't want to be too harsh on him now, but he, he hasn't turned up in some finals in the past, um, in the recent past, really. And this was another one. So, yeah, very disappointing day for Barry, uh, but great day for Karen, even though he didn't play that well. It's funny that I was just thinking in my head, will I be reaching too much? But you, you kind of said it, so that gives me a bit more um, weight to my own thought. He, he does seem to get beaten heavily in quite a lot of finals. Did he lose the Masters final to Robertson that year? Was that back? Was that Barry? This that was last season, yeah. Yeah, last season. Uh, he, he, I mean, listen, no shame in losing to Neil Robertson, and um, he got lost to Ronnie heavily once, didn't he? Another one, if memory serves, you know. He's clearly playing some of the best play- best players in the game. Mm. In Ronnie's case, the greatest ever. But yeah, it, it, there's just a bit too often where 
I mean, not really on this occasion, because as you say, he was playing so well, but there's a little bit of feeling sometimes with Barry, even though he's a top, top player, that he almost has to turn up and play really well. You almost think you're starting to sort of doubt doubt him a little bit in finals, I think, now. And I think that that, that will be even more the case here because, you know, as you suggested, he played really well. I mean, the semi-final, I mean, what a... I think he, you or someone else, you, I might have been used the word sprinted. I mean, that's the only way to say mm. it. I mean, against Mark Williams, I mean, you know, he, he just from... It was two each, wasn't it? And he just went... Yeah. Not the great series, 67, 89, 131, 79. I mean, you can't go into a final playing better. I mean, you know, yeah. or, or in better heart. So, listen, it's the, the you know, it's a million-dollar question. If we knew why form was so different day to day, you know, you know we, we, we'd have the formula. But it's just funny because, as you say, he must have gone to bed feeling on top of the world and yet came out and just didn't play well today. Yeah, and uh, he's admitted it a load of times before. He's just been open that he struggled with belief. Um, but you would, and I guess that's just something that he'll he'll always struggle with because you would think beating Judd Trump in the quarters, playing unstoppable stuff to beat Mark Williams in the semis, and going against Kyron in the final. You know, Kyron is a, is a superb player, um, but he's not one of the you know people who are labelled as the gods sometimes. You know, we talk about Lisowski, he's lost all his ranking finals because he's only played, I think, Judd, Selby and Robertson in them. And, you know, as good as Kyron is, he's not quite at their level. Um, so you'd think Barry would go in having played like that with great belief. But, yeah, it seemed to let him down again. And he was, he was only 3-2 down at one point. Um, and it, to go 3-2, he made two... two Two of his three fifty breaks in the day in that fifth frame to go three only one behind. So at that point you'd have think maybe there's something building there again, but um, no, um, concerning really um, because that looked like it was set to be a very very close match and just wasn't. Uh, again, without Kyron having to really hit his hit his stride. So yeah, Barrow be very disappointed as he said he was and. Uh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because he's obviously good enough to get to finals, as he keeps showing. He was in the Masters final, the Players' Championship last year. But the more of those kind of results he gets, the the more you doubt if he's got another ranking vet title in him. But you can't say he hasn't because he's turning up in finals. So, But it's tricky, isn't it? If you keep getting smashed in finals, it's not good. Yeah, and as you, you made the point during the week, and a few others did as well, it was a classic Hawkins under the radar for a lot of it, wasn't he? I think... That was it. I think it was you that was saying he didn't trouble the TV table, certainly for a lot of days, just carried on the back. I know oh, Barry Hawkins is still in it. You know, <laughs> again, that's to his credit. He's an understated character. And it's a good little trick to pull, actually, if you're not noticed and can sneak into the latter stages, you know, with almost without any fanfare. But as you say, sometimes you think maybe he needs a little bit more fanfare when it comes to the sort of later sort of moments type thing. But well, I really enjoyed the tournament overall, Phil. I mean, Rare, rare that you get a big ranking event to tournament that we don't. But I think it was, um, you know, the first one for a long time, first knockout one of the season. And I thought there was some, you know, cracking action throughout. And I found myself, you know, certainly before I came to Weston, being, you know, very, you know, wrapped up in it really every day, watching a lot of action. And, well, it, we talked about last Tuesday, you know, kicking off in style. We really had some interesting results. We we both said we'd plump for that uh, Luca Purcell Wu Yizza match if we had the choice to watch. Over in no time, Wu Yizza winning 5-1, that just shows, you know, 
yet more evidence a lot of people in the game are saying that this guy could be the real deal yeah absolutely um that was very very impressive because obviously luca off the back of the championship league win um i think he'd come through um another qualifier qualify for this it will have been one it but um yeah he's in good form he was being he was certainly one of the contenders to win this tournament and he got absolutely dispatched um it could have been five nil um i tweeted a picture of it actually because i was watching that game um who i don't know it seems ridiculous to be critical but this is just that shot i remember but um he should definitely have just played a really easy snooker and he took on a really hard pot and it was just it was just symptomatic of being a young, excitable player. Um, but if he had done that, he may well have won 5 0. But 5 1 ain't so bad. Um, four half centuries and to finish off with a century. Um, he, he's been spoken about for a couple of years now as a very, very exciting one, rookie of the year last year. And he's clearly building on that. Um, so he's got stuff to develop, as of course, as as all players do, really, but certainly young players. But he's certainly one of the, the, the very brightest talents in the game. Yeah, no question. Um, another result from that opening morning, I think it was, wasn't it? It was C.J.I. He beating Anthony McGill 5-2. Uh, terrific win with C.J.I. He there, of course. And uh, and uh, we really saw a lot of interesting action. But while we were seeing those results, the, the live match or the main, I think, commentary match was Fan Zhengzhi losing 5-1 to Michael Judge. I mean, he looked big out of sorts, Fan. I mean, you, you reminded me, I didn't realise he hadn't won a single match since winning that tournament. Uh, famously this tournament last season. But uh, yeah, he just looked, I saw bits of that match and he looked really out of sorts. Started pretty well, actually, but then just m- missing balls all over the shop. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, he needed to do some improving, clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, and yeah, he's, he's clearly uh, very sure of confidence um, struggling. It, didn't look, it does not look like a player that had won a ranking event not that long ago and beating Ronnie O'Sullivan in the final. Uh, pretty odd, really, because uh, he's he's in he's still in that hub at the Victoria's Snooker Academy with all those guys working hard. Um, so, yeah, I assume it'll... Well, he's got to turn around as well. He's not going to never win a match again, I wouldn't think. Uh, but he's going to he's gonna have to do something different because, yeah, uh, no disrespect to Michael Judge, but he's not about to win a ranking event, I don't think. Uh, and he, he beat him quite comfortably. So, uh, yeah, it's a strange one. Um, I don't know any background or anything about why uh, why he's tailed off so badly or not built on uh, that amazing win, but he certainly hasn't because going months and months without winning a single match is the opposite of building on something. Yes, but I suppose the game is littered with that, isn't it? I mean, Jimmy Robertson, I mean, to pick on him, he's just one that comes to mind. I mean, how he did anything after winning... You know his, his his you know his his unlikely that was in this as well, wasn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah, it's, yeah that's right. This has got a bit of a history. This event of throwing up unlikely winners, but um, but yeah, no, it's funny because sometimes I think you you made the point to Kyrie himself when he came on. He was one of those that was the opposite. You know, his ranking event win propelled him, and he just went mm-hmm. on the there. But yes, yeah, some of them don't, and it's just funny like that. But, um, well, Judd Trouble, he said he'd be rusty. Well, you made the point he'd be, he could be rusty, and it was, it was a good point, but he, he had enough enough on Sankan winning 5-2. But I tell you, he did look out of sorts. Mark Selby uh, losing 5-2 to one Sijun. I actually saw a few optimistic comments on Twitter saying that they thought Mark looked quite good. I mean, that's not the way I saw it. I, I thought he looked um, miles away. I mean, he's the kind of guy, you know, he does it a lot for memory. It can come back quickly still, but... 
yeah, he, he's um he, he's looking more than rusty to me now. He's looking most unselby like. Yeah, he did. Um, he did, yeah, uh, that's right. He wasn't good. Um, and he did tweet afterwards that he was um asking for tips on how to deal with neck pain. Um, so I, and he was he did seem to be sort of uh pouring at his his neck and shoulder a bit during the match. So he's clearly struggling with uh, with that, and that may well be the reason for it because he yeah he was a long way off his bat off his best. Um, but I think he tweeted also that he's he was uh, put onto acupuncture, so that's what he's going to try and do to to deal with that, and hopefully that hopefully that'll help. Um, he won't have played much; he only played one day at the Championship League, so that wouldn't have helped either. Um, but yeah, if it is an injury like that, hopefully he can get it sorted for. When things when tournaments start coming around a bit more thick and fast, because you know he's not in action again for a bit. He's playing pool again, isn't he? Him and Mark Allen are playing some ultimate ultimate pool in the coming weeks, because um, there ain't much on the calendar for him. Um, but yeah, no, he he wasn't great. But to give him uh, the benefit of the doubt, it may well have been because of his bad neck. Yeah, no, fair fair point. He was indeed tweeting about that, and uh, yeah, that that may that may well have been. A good reason, and I do think with someone like Selby, you know, it, it's never something to really worry intensely about. I think he is too good, and you know, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to, you know, another month or two under his belt to see him play a lot, lot better than that. But he'll certainly need to. Um, I've just got Wednesday's results. Feel free to chuck him with any any of your own after I said this. But I've Dominic Dell beat Jimmy White five three in the back battle of the um, the veteran stars. Got a lot of fun out of Dominic Dell. Whenever I saw him this week, he was. <laughs> He was just always doing something quite funny, you know, chatting away to his opponent, uh, you know, just having having a laugh. You know, he's a, he's he's, a, he's a, an engaging character in many ways. Uh, Judd Trump beat Ashley Hugill five three that day, and uh, Jack Lasowski, we mentioned that match against Matthew Stevens. Well, Lasowski won it uh, pretty well five two, but one really interesting result I I thought was Yan Bintao five Dylan Emery four. I mean, Dylan Emery really pushing. Former Masters winner, close set. It was a really interesting match from that day. Yeah, I think I just caught um, the decider. I think I was watching something else, but put it on at the end. And uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't so dramatic, actually. Jan made a really big break to win it. Um, but yeah, Dylan Emery is a real talent. Um, he's on this year, wasn't he, through... What did he win? He won an under-21 tournament or something similar. European under-21, I want to say. Um uh, sorry if I'm wrong, but um, yeah, he's only, he is 21 uh, and he's, he looks really good. The bits I've seen of him, very talented Welsh player. Um, and yeah, to push Jan that hard over best of nine is is good signs. Um, I'm pretty sure he's he's had one or two wins already this season. So he's uh, he's off and running. And yeah, definitely one to look out for if you're, if you're keeping an eye on young British players. He's, he's one of the better ones. Yeah, indeed. And uh, well, a match I saw a fair bit of, which I really enjoyed, was Ali Carter-Stewart being him on Thursday. Uh, Ali winning 5-4. And uh, we, we enjoyed the aftermath, didn't we? I, mean, I mean, must say, you made this point first, so you get the credit, definitely. But I really thought it was important to say, you mentioned it about Luca, and I saw Stewart do it. They're great at signing autographs when they've lost these guys. I mean, that, that is a proper credit to Snooker, isn't it? Because you know, they have just lost a match, you know, an important match. They're out there for absolutely ages. I mean, they're out there till every autograph's been signed. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Again, that was that first game, Luca against Wu. Um, and Luca was, you know, taking people's phones for them to do the selfies properly because he's done it a few times in the past, I imagine. Um, but yeah, after going 
to Germany to lose a first-round match to a teenager. <laughs> he was happily taking photos for quite a while. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure lots and lots of players were. They're just the ones that we noticed, I guess. But, um, yeah, we said a few times, didn't they? They're, they're good lads, the, the guys on the snooker tour. Um, if you ever do want to ask them for a, an autograph or say hello or a photo, um, they're almost always going to be fine to do it. I'm not going to say always. You, I'm sure you can catch one or two of them in a bad mood once or twice or if they've got a train to catch or something. But, yeah, generally, don't be afraid to go and ask because they're, they're very good with it. Yeah, no, in a good way of saying it, they are. Uh, well, where was I here? Let me go back to this other email of mine. Oh, yeah, Mark Williams, Dominic Dale. Again, I saw a fair bit of that. And I found it a bit amusing. So I, had to say, I didn't see Mark's matches the day after when he played too, but I, I thought it was really unconvincing against Dominic Dale. I mean, it, Dominic had a, a brilliant chance to go 4-3 up. I mean, credit to Phil Stunn, actually, in, in the US Sport commentary box. He did call it and said he will feel some pressure just as he was going for the pink. But really, he should not have missed it. He needed pink and black. It was a pretty regulation pink. He might let the cue ball a little bit further away from the pink than he would have liked. But really, he should have sunk it. He would have gone 4-3 up. And then he'd had a big chance then. I just felt like a bit more of a match sharp, Dominic Dale, or a bit more kind of believing in himself or, well, you know, None of us have got a TARDIS. So I was thinking a, a slightly younger Dominic Dale. He might have not Mark out because I didn't think Mark looked convincing. But then the next day, he was brilliant. So it's that vagaries of form thing, again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a very similar thing happened in the British Open last year, wasn't it? Well, not a similar shot, but he should have beaten Mark Williams there and played, played an odd shot. Um, and Mark Williams went on to win the tournament too. But yeah, um, yeah, you don't see Dominic winning that many matches, really, do you? Like, um, he, he sort of clung on to his tour plays last year. Um, yeah, he struggled for form for a bit, but um, obviously still a great player when he's playing well, but um, he just doesn't look that convincing that often now these days. Um, but yeah, Mark Williams went on to play very well after that, after getting through there just about. Um, but also on that day, what day are we on there? Thursday. Um, was that the day Rob Milkins beat Zhao Zintang? That was a big win for him. 5-4, um, and Zhao clearly wasn't at his absolute best because he's almost unstoppable there, but he got quite far into one four seven in the, that match. I remember watching that, so he wasn't playing that badly. Um, but yeah, great win for the Milkman there, who, um, who I'd say probably is different from what we were talking about before about kicking on from a first-ranking title when it's that stage in his career, I would say. But it still was his first-ranking title last year, but I'd say he has been playing pretty well since then. Um, he's certainly won quite a few matches uh, more matches than he was winning before it so um, yeah he, he didn't go on much further this past week but um, certainly he has built on that to an extent that win in Gibraltar Rob Milkins mm. No definitely yeah he's taking he's taking he's clearly taking a lot from that you can tell uh, Xiao Yulong beating Jack Lazowski 5-1 another result that's caught my eye here going through the results from that day Thursday then we moved on to I mean a, a proper old moving day which often is Thursday, isn't it? But I think this, because it started the day later, it happened to be a Friday where they played two rounds in, in the same day. Uh, in fact, it's often the rounds leading up to the quarters, isn't it? But this time it's yeah. the last 16 and the quarters. So really good day Friday. And I've actually got all the results down from there to give you a bit more of a picture of how the tournament developed. And, well, Robert Milkins didn't have a good day there. He lost 5-0 to, to Barry Hawkins. As I said, Barry was flying at that stage. Uh, Wu Yizza 5, Ryan Day 2. Another terrific win there for, for Wu Yizza. 
Oh, Judd Trump 5, Farrakha J4. I mean, that's actually one of the matches of the tournament, actually, wasn't it? I mean, what a finish. I didn't see it live, but I saw it on highlights straight away. And I, you put a video up, I know, that got a lot of attention there. And, I mean, Farrakha J was in a snooker. He got out of it pretty well. And the cube went in, didn't it? Which was horrible for him. It was a real uh, head-in-hands moment. It wasn't a gimme for Judd, of course. He had a black on the cushion that he had to play very bravely. He did that kind of do or die thing had to play it softly really that was the way to play he played the correct way and it went in but i mean farrakha jay pretty much sure this is, this is the furthest he's ever got in a ranking event isn't it so he'll be delighted in that in that regard but he'll feel it should have been even better yeah real uh real heartbreak for him there because match of his life really uh, judd said afterwards that you know he'd outplayed him out potted him out everything him um he just said that it's not often that he thinks he's got away with one, but that was one of them. And uh, yeah, what a what run for a Jay. He, he beaten Mark Allen in the qualifiers just to get to Germany and then beat Marco Fu um, to, to, to get to this game. So <laughs> big names and Trump would have been the biggest of the lot. Uh, and yeah, very unlucky. Um, he, he could look back, he could have played it differently. He, could have, he had chances beforehand actually, but... Even to get to that stage against Trump when, you know, James an amateur, he had his two years on tour, didn't really do very much. Um, you know, he's won he won a decent percentage of the matches he'd won over his two years on tour in this tournament. Uh, so, yeah, great run for him. Uh, as much publicity as, he'll, as he's got as a snooker player, I imagine. Um, he won a lot of fans, a lot of people felt for him. Um, so hopefully he'll be looking on the bright side. But um, certainly... Certainly a painful one as he watched that white roll in. Um, and yeah, that's one of the, that that black that Trump potted is one of those where when it goes in, it looks it looks like it was run of the mill, but we actually saw in this tournament loads of shots like that along the black cushion um missed. Um so it he made it look easy, but it wasn't. Yes, and again, the aforementioned Phil Studd, I heard say a couple of times they were pretty unforgiving. I'm a believer that they should pretty much always be unforgiving, but but those pockets were quite tight. Uh, quite a few of them are like, oh, that's in. Oh, it's missed. You know, and yeah. frankly, I often think it's the other way. You think something's bound to miss and seems to go in, but that, yeah, they, they were tight, you know, well remembered there. And, uh, well, that was a, a hell of a match. And there were some other good ones that, that, that day as well in the last 16. Ali Carter, five, David Grace, four. That went all the way as well. Uh, Kyra Wilson, five, Sean Murphy, three. Uh, Sean said the only thing sparkling about that was his trousers. Um, which I think they were awesome. nice trousers. Shout out to those trousers. It's, I don't know if you saw them, but they were very nice. Well, they were lovely. He mentioned going on strictly, perhaps. It's, it's only it's, it's fixtures and fittings, but but yeah, they were nice trousers. Mark Williams, five. Xiao Yu Long, nil. So thumping win for Williams. And, uh, well, Jamie Jones, five. Yan Bing Tao, three. Another match. And then Si Jui He, five. Daniel Wells four. I think I mentioned this to you before we came on air. I felt like retiring the phrase one for the purist after that, Phil. I mean, goodness, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it, mind you. I am a purist. And uh, a top a top run for Wales, one of his best for, for some time. But yeah, it was uh, it was hard going and actually it was very, very long. I'm pretty sure that the quarterfinals are actually underway when that was still going. It, it was one of those where I tuned in for quite a while. I thought, I'm seeing this to the end. And uh, it clearly could have gone either way. I think Wells did really well to get back to 4-4 and then see why he won it in the decider. But, I mean, 
yeah, it was a, a just a, a a kind of gripping ending in in the sense that they both wanted it so badly that the quality wasn't always there towards the end. But it was, as we know, this game so often is. You know, you you kind of had to had to see it through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and he's another amateur, Daniel Wells. He he narrowly missed out through Q School. So to get two amateurs into the last sixteen is amazing, really, and great effort from them both. Um, Wells is a really good player. He, you know, he's one of those that could easily be on tour. I'm sure he will be back. Um, and yeah, <laughs> talking about following games late, I had a real moment early in the tournament. It was Ham- Anthony Hamilton was playing Jamie Jones in an earlier round, and it was for some reason it wasn't even streamed because usually you could watch pretty much everything, but this one wasn't even one of the four tables you could stream. And as with quite a lot of Hamilton games, they, it was going on late, and. It was easy. It was the only game left on, and it wasn't even streaming. I was just watching the scores on Bet Three Six Five, and I just thought, and I was, I was thinking I need to go to bed. I had to be up early, and after about five minutes of just staring at scores, not even changing, I made myself go to bed because you know life's too short. <laughs> so that was, that was one of those moments. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will probably sympathise with that, and I've had similar moments where you just think, "Come on now." <laughs> There's other things to be doing. Um, but, yeah, it went on late, 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 and uh, Jones won that on his decider. But if it, if it had been streamed, I would have watched the end. But, you know, there's only so long you can scare, stare at numbers. Well, I think two things there. First of all, lovely slice of yesteryear for you, memories of that beloved service, Teletext, that was, yeah. of course, the internet for for, for uh, uh, some of the old, 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 older folk among us. And... Uh, yeah, certainly not one for the teenagers, but yeah, Teletext, which was a brilliant service. I mean, heavens above, I worked for Teletext for years. So I'm particularly fond of it. That was the ITV service, of course, CFAX, the BBC. And uh, yeah, you check frame scores on there. That was the only way. And, you know, that, you know d- despite the fact that, we, you know, the roman- the romantic view is often that everything was on telly in the old days. Not not always the case. A lot of snooker was recorded. So that was often the way to follow it. But the other thing I'm thinking, I noticed there was sometimes some sessions where there was like five matches and I wonder whether some weren't stream. I think the first morning was like that. So I didn't quite get my head around that, but you obviously yeah, confirmed it there that some of them didn't weren't actually on telly mm. at all. <laughs> yeah, strange one. And yeah, usually the, you know, there's you know, there's four, so you don't feel short change or anything, but it just happened to be that that was the only one still playing and it felt odd that you couldn't watch it, but you know, can't complain. There was an awful lot of snooker to watch, so uh, no whinging from me. There really is, and and and, and while I was a, a bit disappointed um, to see that discoveries doesn't seem to be available here in Iceland, I did while I was at home for the majority of the tournament watch discovery, and I have to say, it's a good service. You know, you click from table to table. Mm. You know, it's pr- pretty reliable. It really is, and and you, you know, it's a great way of, of sort of catching up on the action. There was commentary, I think, for the morning match as well, wasn't there? Even though that wasn't mm. television, but you could get it on that service. So that was, you know, really, re- really appreciated. I know, um, you know, Dave Hendon and Phil Studd, you know, as we know, two great voices, and uh, the, you know, Neil Fold, Alan McManus. It was just, it was brilliant to sort of, sh- you know, share so much of the tournament with those chaps. And uh, you know, re- while I sometimes streaming services and some of them might get a bit of a hard time. I know free sports can sometimes be a bit unreliable, but I find the discovery app i have to say is 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 very reliable and very good yeah i'm always on eurosport player um which is excellent yeah and uh not to do with that really just the set of the tournament but i love having a morning session 10 o'clock session so you've got all day um 
So yeah, it just it seems like it's on all the time, which is great. Um, but yeah, those services are are really good. Um, you know, you'd love to have commentary on every table, of course you would, but it's not very feasible, is it? But um, you get you get a really good service out of it. So yeah, no complaints from me on that. Indeed. The only thing actually, one thing I would say, and again, it's not a complaint, but I think we spoke about this before about another tournament, um, and abroad when. Uh, you know they don't they're not there in the studio or anything so it's literally you just you just tune in game there's no sort of flavor of the of the where you are and this isn't a criticism of anyone who's organizing it it's budgetary things i imagine and just organization but you know we didn't get to see any of first or anything like that it's just it's oh, just yeah. it's just there um other than you know you could tell it was a different crowd and everything oh, yeah. but it would be nice to sort of see a bit of it and everything but you know, I understand why that wouldn't happen, but um, that is a bit of a shame when you go to places we don't often go to, that we don't get to a bit more flavour of it, I suppose. I think that's definitely a financial thing for broadcasters. And the thing is, when Welsh Snooker Tour do their videos and behind the scenes, I absolutely love them. Uh, and I think they should try and do more of those, actually. I think they're, I, I can't be the only one that enjoys those. I love getting a flavour. And I, I'm sure I've probably said this, said this on the pod before. But growing up, that was always a big bugbear of mine. Now, listen, I know that for the the irony of the irony of worries well, about Olymp, say for example, Olympic venues, or sometimes World Cup, but often Olympics are the ones that are really problematic. The irony of the concern is for the vast, vast majority of the watching planet, it doesn't really matter. They're just watching a swimming pool or a trap. You know, it, only a very small amount of people go. So you've got to remember that. But the same token. When I was growing up, I was always disappointed. I never thought that television companies sold a place enough. Now, sometimes it was financial. I appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, and, of course, again, when I was a boy, you know, the presenters, the big one, like Des Lynham or Steve Ride or Jim Rosenthal, they'd be in the studio pretty much for all the big events. I mean, ITV famously went to the American World Cup, spent it all in a bunker in Dallas. But then come... Uh, into the 90s, famously BBC, 98 in France, overlooking Paris, and on and on. And they even went to Japan for the late stages of that World Cup. And the next one, the O2 one. And now you expect, I'm going off a bit of a tangent here, but now you expect presentation teams to be at pretty much every Olympics and World Cup and Euros, and you're disappointed they're not, frankly. So, yeah, I really get that point. But I did see Roddy Bissett, actually, uh, our friend from World Snooker Tour, uh, a nice little video at the start. And I thought, well, it's a nice place. Yeah. There's um, a nice church in the background. It looked a nice square, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah, you really, you, you really spoke my language there. Cause the, the travel person in me, I always want to know a bit more. I'm not being deferred. I'd always want a bit more. And that's why, you know, I think we all enjoyed watching Antalya, didn't, didn't we? Cause we did mm. a bit more of the flavor of that place by the sea there in the old town. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm sure for TV reasons, they, they really can't afford anything more than just to go to the action. But yeah, you, you, WST, you'd think that's that's something that would be right up their street. They have they have the, the guys there. Listen, I know they're very busy doing a lot of things, but yeah, if I can make one play, it's let's see a little bit more of the of the place and, and the surrounds. You know, I, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and as I say, I don't want to be critical because I don't know anything about the budgetary things and the you know logistical reasons or anything, but... Um... Yeah, it's broadcast by Eurosport, and there must be a German Eurosport. There is one, so you'd, you'd hope they could do something. But yeah, um, that's just <laughs> uh, to use your phrase, fi fixtures and fittings, really. But uh, they'll be very nice fixtures and fittings, especially because 
you know, I don't know how many people, I don't know if I've ever met anyone outside of the snooker world who's ever been to Firth. It's not an obvious place people go on holiday. So uh be a good a good way to sort of sell the place as well, wouldn't it? But um yeah, that would be a nice touch. So, you know, it's not ruined the tournament by any stretch, but uh, it would be a nice addition to, to tournaments when we go to uh, new and interesting parts of the world. My low-level ambition to get you sounding a little bit like me every week is <laughs> very well, Phil. I'm quite <laughs> on, on to the quarterfinals, sir, on Friday night. Mark Williams, five. Jamie Jones, one. Uh, Barry Hawkins, five. Judd Trump, three. Again, Hawkins absolutely flying at this stage. Uh, Kyron Wilson, five. Cedroy, he, two. Fine win for Cedroy, he, over there, but must, must make note of that. It was a fine run. Kicked off on that first morning with that fine win and carried on throughout the week. And Ali Carter, five. Wu Yizza, three. Again, fine one for, for, for Wu Yizza. At that stage, I frankly thought anyone could win it. I put a poll up on my Twitter feed and 59% went for Mark Williams. Now, he was the rightful tournament fan. I didn't see the odds, but I presume he was favourite. I think he had to be favourite for his stature, what he's done in the history of the game and how he's playing in the tournament. But I don't know about you, but I also thought it wouldn't have been at all a surprise for me for any of those four to win it. No, when it got when it got to those four left, um, yeah, uh, yeah, because they're all four proven ranking winners. I mean, I mean, William, yeah, Williams would have been the favourite. Uh, he was my sort of tentative tick at the start last week. I'm more just. Uh, uh, as a guaranteed deep run because he had a relatively comfortable start. Uh, and yeah, I mean, after he, I suppose also how he'd come through that uh, Friday, I mean, getting dealt Zhu Yulong and Jamie Jones and only dropping one frame is pretty convincing stuff, isn't it? So um, not only is it Mark Williams, um, the way he was playing as well. So I can see why a lot of people were were tipping him. I, I did look at, I was looking at sort of ranking type type to their names and uh, he he has more than double the other three of the semi-finalists put together so <laughs> he's, he would be a convincing bet but yeah he got um, we'll get onto this right now but he got fairly handily dealt with by the Hawk didn't he he did and while I was saying that now I'm thinking they were they were all multiple ranking that, 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 that probably happens all the time now but I can't believe it happens that often you, you know you get multiples like that it, it was a really really strong lineup. Um, you probably get it quite a lot of the crucible, actually, but maybe in other tournaments, I'm thinking it might might be relatively unusual. Uh, semi-finals, yeah. Tyron Wilson, six. Ali Carter, five. First up, two respotted blacks in that. Yeah. Um, nip and tuck all the way. Tyron finished strongly with breaks of 75 and 53. And a bit of a cliche, but one of those matches where it's a bit of a shame there had to be a loser. Oh, it was a great, it was a great game. Really enjoyable. Um so close all the way, really high quality, um, really intense, as you'd expect from an Ali Carter game, but also from Kyron. Um, yeah, it was brilliant, um, really enjoyable. Uh, yeah, it, not much more to say than that. It wasn't sort of, um, I think there was only one century, but I think that proves that you don't need enormous breaks all the time. It was really good stuff. Um, went down to a decider, um, and yeah, Kyron did great to get over the line, but encouraging stuff for Ali. Um that was his, I think it was his first semi for quite a, for quite a while actually. Um, so yeah, good start to the season for him. Um, looked to be playing well throughout the tournament really, and so, certainly no shame in losing that decider. Um, so yeah, now just really good match all in all. Yeah, and I kept sort of expecting quite big things from Ali last season. Didn't quite happen, but yeah, he still got it. You know, he's still and 
again, I could be reaching too much here, but the thing about Kyron taking pressure off, I just wonder if Ali's doing that a little bit. Because I noticed a couple of times he was speaking, I thought, yeah, oh, he's always been a mature chap, but there was something a bit like the stuff he was saying after Stuart Bingham, which I loved, oh, you know, we're old men now, we're not rivals anymore. And if he's doing that thing, I'm getting older, you know, I'm playing for a bit of fun type thing. He, you know, it could, you know, he's someone with titles in him. He, he's he, he's still got that. You mentioned his intensity. He's still a top, top player. I, I, I enjoy watching Ali Carter, I must admit, I, and I always have done, really. Uh, second semi-final, yeah. I mean, we said it earlier. Barry Hawkins, six, Mark Williams, two. Purple patch from Hawkins to win it. Goodness me, you know, uh, you know, he just blitz into that final. And that's what he can do. You know, we, we, we said it time and time again. He's got those qualities, Barry. You know, you sort of think, I guess, a little bit, why can't you do it a little bit more consistently than that? But, you know, easier said than done. But when he's on fire... There are very few players in the game that can stop him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been top sixteen for for ages now, hasn't he? I can't remember how long that is, but it's a lot, a lot of years. So that he's he's in the very elite. Um, and yeah, when he's playing well, he can beat anyone, as he showed there. Because Williams is playing great all week, and uh, he didn't score a point for the last three of those frames, um, and was just blown away. Uh, brilliant stuff from Hawkins. It was. You know, he couldn't really play much better than how he played in um, the second half of that game. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's that's what the problem is for almost everyone in the sport, isn't it? Consistency. Uh, everyone can do it in patches. Um, the, the good players do it in more patches. The best players, they don't seem like patches because they do it so often, but um, they still are patches. They're just very big patches, I suppose. But yeah, um, Barry will be as confused as anyone as to why he played those four frames on Saturday night and then played like he did on Sunday because it was it was polar opposites, really. Indeed it was. And uh, Kyron Wilson, then, as we started uh, at the top by saying, is, is, the, is the winner. He's uh, the uh, champion in Firth. And we say congratulations to him. He beat Barry Hawkins 9-3 in the final. I mean, overall verdict, Phil, I mean, you mentioned that, uh, I thought it was a nice way of saying it, that, that snooker Twitter was kind of quiet and a bit, bubbling under and social media in general and maybe that whole snooker community. But it felt like it restored it a bit this week, didn't it? We were all sort of, you know, ingratiating the game again and all having conversations about the, you know, on the table, which I think is what we, you know, we often would prefer. A lot of off the table talk, maybe in the in the weeks and months before. And yeah, it ended a bit disappointingly. That wasn't, that wasn't a, by any means a cracking final. In fact, it was a, a disappointing final. But overall... Lots of good matches, lots of good stories. Bit of a classic ranking event in a way, I felt that there was loads of sort of surprises, the Daniel Wells, Raka Jabe, Sweet Dry here getting deep. But in the end, you know, the sort of the big hitters getting through to the weekend. I mean, that's not always the way, but that's often the way. But overall, I think, you know, I just I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good throughout. Um seemed quite condensed in it starting on the Tuesday, finished by the Sunday. Um just constant action, loads of good matches. Um, it felt like it had that feeling in the middle days where, you know, like at the World Championship, where for a, like a good day or two, everyone seemed to be on a maximum. And then Robertson eventually got a maximum. And it really felt like one was bubbling up because it did seem like that kept happening. It never got, quite got there. But, um, yeah, really good quality stuff. Um, shout out to the two... Um, Chinese lads, two young Chinese lads who got to the quarterfinals. We were using CJ Um, 
because there's there's always this talk about not not that many young players, and it's it's often caveated with not very many good young UK players, because of course there are some very very good ones in China. Uh, Wu is eighteen, C is only twenty, and they both look very very good quarterfinals. So um, we've got to be clear that there are very good young players in the game. Um, you know, they're just not from the UK, which is not a problem. Um, and they showed it there. So very good from them. And as you say, it's often the way you get the upsets out. You get upsets early and you think, oh, anyone could win this. And then you actually get to the final. And it's like, oh, it's these guys that win <laughs> win them quite often. Um, and I suppose with Kyron and Barry, it wasn't the ones, it wasn't sort of nailed on regular, like entirely regular winners. But, um, you know, they're not unfamiliar faces in finals. But um, yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed the tournament. Um, loads of good games. Nothing too much by way of controversy, I don't think. No. I can't think of anything. Von, anything. Von, Von, Vonnie wasn't there, Phil, for one thing. <laughs> yeah, that help. Well, I said helps. That's a hindrance, really, from our line of work. Um, but yeah, nothing sort of jumps out the off the pages in terms of uh, stories in that front of uh, in that way of speaking. But yeah, on the table, really good stuff. Really enjoyable game. Really enjoyable event. It was. It brings back the old the old line. I was going to say I don't think it was the the English and Crawley with the infamous comments about smelling like urine. I think it might have been one of the Welsh where I forget what one he was up to now, but one of the journalists joked that he should be charged with bringing the game into repute because he <laughs> he basically t- turned an event that would have got a few column inches here and there into back page news every day. But uh, yeah, he's one of the few 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 that can do that, of course. But yeah, really enjoyable tournament and. And uh, we move on. Bit of a quiet period again now, isn't it? It's sort of in a sort of three or four weeks time. We got the doubles, we got uh, the British Open, and then it really is thick and fast until Christmas. But it feels like it's given us a bit of a taste. Goes a bit quieter again. But don't worry, Phil. We we can guarantee that come the early part of the autumn, particularly starting with that doubles, it, it then is thick and fast, isn't it? We'll be doing virtually nothing but previewing and reviewing here on Talking Snooker. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shame because it would be nice for this to sort of kick it off properly because this did feel like, you know, we're back in. But, yeah, it's a, it's a month, really, until the next one because we've got some qualifiers again. But, um, yeah, the, the the doubles is a month away. So that is a shame. Uh, but, yeah, it does get very busy from then on. But, yeah, that's why, as I mentioned before, you know, we've got snooker players going to play pool and that's they've got this uh, gap in the calendar to do so. Mark Selby's playing with his brother-in-law, Gareth Potts. And Mark Allen's having a crack at an eight-ball tournament. So, um, yeah, worth a watch, the Ultimate Pool. It's on Free Sports, I think, and on uh, on, on their subscription channel. So fill, fill your snooker gap with that, I recommend. <laughs> it's a good recommendation. Yeah, I've heard that word plateau doing the rounds a bit, and it, there, there is some credence to that. There was, it, it does feel a little bit like that, but with the constant um, reminder, proviso, that the loss of China's huge. I mean, that, that cannot be underestimated. That's four or five hugely strong weeks. You put those weeks back in, it's a different calendar. It's, it's a different season, you know, and uh, we can't, we can't um, sort of repeat that enough. But also, good point you make, which you made a few times now, and I think it's very, very strong. We mustn't get in that habit of, oh, there are no young players, there's no talent coming through. We, of course, have a vested interest. We're from the UK. We're Brits. And there's always going to be an element of that, but let's play the bigger game, which is this is an international sport, and 
the fact there are brilliant young players coming through from China is brilliant, isn't it? It's wonderful. You know, that it's great to see those progressing and that's a you know massive part of the game as well. And, um, you know, we, we must keep banging the drum not to be too UK centric. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, and there's nothing wrong to want UK players to do well, of course, that's, and we should encourage that as much as possible and uh, get behind them as well. But yeah, it's just, you know, you can't say, oh, there's no young players. Oh, but they are from China, but we don't count them. You know, that's, you know, that's crazy. That's crazy thing to say because um, they deserve all the support as well. Um, and they've sacrificed an awful lot to come, you know, move their lives over here to come and play snooker and they're doing very well um, despite all this, all the uh, hassle they have to go through to do that. So yeah, they deserve all the support too. Um so yeah, the one that reminded me you just mentioned China then, um, because obviously spoke to Jason Ferguson um a couple of weeks ago on here about sort of that coming back and made me think that if we just if we were speaking to him again now, or hopefully next time I speak to him, I really want to ask him about sort of the visa situation which players struggled with in this tournament, because it's really sort of unsatisfactory for those guys. Oh. That, um I think there were three Chinese players and and Hussein Fai. Um qualified for this event and then couldn't play in it and oh yeah this isn't jason's fault but i would like to know what the process is that players have to go through to sort this and why some struggle with it and what help they can get because it's a nightmare that they um are taking that sort of earning opportunity away from them having earned it so uh yeah hopefully something can be done about that yeah no quite right we, we weren't sure about her saying before i were we? we thought i might have been cleared up but he did have a problem and couldn't play so yeah, no, it's a real shame. Well, I think we're just about ticking past the hour, Mark, Phil, and uh, you are with Talking Snooker here with uh, Phil Hague and Nick Metcalf. We're not going to be with you for too much longer, but we have got almost a friend of the podcast now, we'll say, Phil, Suzanne Sessler. She's done a very little bit of mild ticking off of, of me for the pronunciation, so hopefully that's better now, Suzanne. And she kindly writes to us. We did ask for her verdict on the... Uh, European Masters, and she's delivered it for us. So, hi, Nick. Hi, Phil. Uh, my visits at the European Masters are over, and I'd like to share my experiences with you. I am 45, and this week has been the first time that my mother, 84 years of age, and me have had a girls' night out. Snooker makes it possible. How nice is that? <laughs> of course, the news that Ronnie would not play was sad news for both me and my mother, and we have missed him a lot. But we decided to do the only thing we could do about it, and that was to enjoy the tournament anyway. A tournament in Germany, and particularly the region where I come from, is something so seldom, and you have to use the opportunities. Well, for me, the first day of the tournament, I will not write much about the details we have watched in the matches we have watched in detail, because you have certainly seen them yourself. I was curious how my mother would like it, as it was her first visit at the tournament. In the beginning, she did not like it very much, as she was missing the comments by a pundit she's used to from TV. And as the first match was a tough one to watch because none of the players ever got into their flow. It was full of errors. It was the first and only match of defending champion Fan Zheng Zi. Yes, that wasn't a great match, actually. No. As for the lack of comments, she got used to it quickly. And as the matches improved during the day, she started to like it quickly. In the end, we had a great day and we're looking forward to the Saturday. Should there be a tournament in Firth again, we will certainly go there. Uh, interesting, as you feel, break off there and say, I'm not sure, actually, whether there was a, a headphones and commentary option there. It sounds like there wasn't, but it's funny, isn't it? You can be at an event, and maybe that's why. I know that some people, not everyone likes the fact that you do that, 
I think that can be disturbing for the players, and sometimes they can be a little bit. But that just shows maybe why people have them at the Crucible and other big events, because, you know, you can still be there, but want to hear your favourites describe the action. Yeah, I mean, if if you've only ever watched a sport on on TV, and especially a sport like snooker that's so quiet, it, it's, it's a completely, it's not completely different, but it's a very different experience just watching it uh, without that and watching it in the intel- intense silence uh, of the arena. So, um, yeah, it does sound like she got used to it quite quickly and it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, affecting the enjoyment long term, but certainly takes some getting used to if you've only ever watched it on the telly before. No, indeed. Suzanne goes on, as for Firth as a venue for a ranking tournament, I can only compare it to Milton Keynes currently. And the biggest difference was the setup of the tables. In Milton Keynes, you could overlook several tables as they were aligned in a row, including the TV table. I'm talking here about the early rounds. That was not the case in Firth. So sitting at the TV table, you could not sneak a peek at another table. The advantage of the setup in Firth was that the audience was seated around the table, all four sides covered, and that created another atmosphere. I would be interested to know what the players prefer, but I assume the latter. Yeah, I can see what she means there, because I think that is an advantage of going to one of those sort of multiplayer events in some venues. And I know fans say this a lot to us, that, that, that they enjoy seeing all the tables. That's one of the sort of benefits, isn't it? So I can see that that... That's sort of um, a bit of yin and yang there. Suzanne says, on to the semi-finals. When you buy tickets for that day, you will, of course, never know who is going to play. It turned out the first match will be played by two players we do not really like. Oh, okay. And the second one by two players we both like. Nevertheless, both <laughs> matches were really entertaining and we enjoyed them. Well, we don't, we all have our favourites. As for the atmosphere, I was surprised that the audience was quite noisy. A lot of R's and oohs. I certainly would have expected more discipline here and hope it did not disturb the players too much. The audience really took an active interest in the match. Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. We're most grateful. I mean, the thing I'd say about oohs and R's is if they're in the right places and that's all part of the game, but I guess if they're out, they're out of place and that, that's not so good. But um, it didn't sound particularly um, you know, strange to me watching on television. I wasn't didn't intensely watch the... The closing stages by any means, you know, for, for reasons of being away. But um, we also had some comments saying that they thought the atmosphere was quite good. And uh, so, it, you know, we, we, we'd like to have perhaps a bit more of a, a cross-section of opinion, Phil, wouldn't we? So if, if you were at the tournament, you know, please write to us as Suzanne has done. Yeah, I mean, from uh, from TV, it, looked, it sounded like almost the sort of the perfect level engagement because it was, it was really, really quiet when they were at the table. But... Every, almost everything was getting a reaction, you know, very receptive to any decent pot was getting a clap. Um, and yeah, the oohs and ahs were any sort of drama were getting an ooh and an ah, but it, it did always seem to be after, you know, after whoever played the shot. So I can't imagine it was uh, it was disturbing them much, but it, is, it came across as a great atmosphere, um, came across very respectful, but really into it. You know, everyone was, uh, everyone was really intensely following it. Um, and yeah, it looked great, and the crowds seemed good by the end. Definitely, um, you know, early in the morning sessions, early on, you know, they're never going to be full. Um, but I, I, I've not seen any figures or anything. But they looked okay later on. Uh, looked quite good. Um, so yeah, the crowd crowd gets a thumbs up from me. But obviously, that's on TV. So uh, Suzanne uh, will have experienced something different for me uh, being there herself. So yeah, anyone else is there, let us know. But um, certainly came across very well on the. On the telly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's unlike just to have a 
I wouldn't exactly call it a difference. I mean, you certainly saw more, probably more generally, but certainly more towards the end. I thought the crowds were a little bit on the disappointing side early on, but I know you, you didn't sort of feel that. So, yeah, of course, you're absolutely right. Those, you know, which, wherever you are in the world, midweek days are always a harder sell. People who are at work, they're doing things. Of course, you don't expect than to be, unless it's something like the Masters, which is barking mad and every, every single session is full. But, <laughs> but most events, you know, you, you're going to get more business towards the weekend and, and, and the last stages. But I thought some of them seemed quite empty to me. But anyway, um, it's 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 clearly a venue with a bit of bit of history. And it, I always think, it, you know, it, Suzanne mentions the four sides, and I quite like that effect that you had sort of, you know, fans all around it. I like that kind of creates a bit of a sort of amphitheatre feel. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, Two tournaments in Germany. It's a real sort of hotbed there. And um, perhaps one day we'll finally get to Berlin, Phil. We, 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 we talk about it, but maybe this time, more than any other time this time. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, looking, at, I was looking at the calendar this week again, lolling, longingly at the calendar. And yeah, it's got to be it's got to be this season in case, unless something dreadful happens again that's rules out the last couple of years. But yeah, it's right at the start of February. Starts on the first of February this uh, this season, so it's uh, it's penciled in. I know I penciled it in the past, but I penciled it in again. <laughs> well, sir, we are. I think at the any any other business stage, I don't think anything you particularly want to say. One thing I I, I do want to point out: um, great streaming numbers. I spotted this on on a, mm. on a BBC press release about general iPlayer numbers for a lot of their drama shows, a lot of live events, Glastonbury. Wimbledon did big business. Women's Euros, of course, have got incredible numbers. But I noticed on the BBC, they call it the box set chart, which obviously um, would be programmes that have a, an extensive catalogue type thing, a number of broadcasts. And the World Championship snooker was eighth. And I thought that was brilliant. Nearly 14 million streams. I noticed this World Snooker Tour uh, took the story up and put, put, a, put, a, put the report of that on their site. And yeah, I mean, I, I was I was saying to to, to our friend Ivan Hersovich from the uh, the long serving WST media man, great man Ivan. I was saying, well, we've seen off Jodie Whittaker and the Tardis, no problem. Above Doctor Who on the charts, there, Phil. Can't say fairer than that. <laughs> yeah, superb numbers, um, keeping great company there. Um, I know it's a long tournament, so we maybe uh, maybe we have more sessions than other things to compete with, but. Let's not get into the details there. Um, yeah, good stuff. And uh, yeah, when we we say this regularly on here, don't we? Any criticism the BBC does get, and fine to give it some, but um, it, it's amazing for snooker, and an awful lot of people watch it that wouldn't watch it if it was anywhere else. So uh, let's keep it there for as long as possible. And what it also says to me that people do watch that tournament after the tournament is over. For weeks and weeks to come, mm. the iPlayer, they'll catch up, I'm sure, a lot with the final and maybe the semis, but I'm sure other parts as well. Because, you know, I know I do that for a lot of these, you know, certainly for Olympic Games, but probably quite a few moments I might have missed. You can't watch everything even, you know, you can't be across everything even for us at the snooker. So you go back or even you want to, you know, you want to see special bits again. So I love that element of it. And I can, I'm sure a large proportion of that 14 million came after the tournament so that shows the benefits of of this modern age of course where you know the old days if you didn't vhs it you know put it on the old video recording you, you wouldn't have seen it again but now it's up sorry i've got another another granddad moment for me here phil 
But now, of course, with the OIA player, you, you, and, and of course the other services, ITV Hub, Channel 4's own uh, catch-up service, you can watch these things. And it, it's great. You know, it, these are good numbers. And it just shows what you said this before many times. You know, when it comes to the end of that tournament, you sort of forget, yeah, that is an event like no other. I mean, we follow, we follow snooker, you know, year in, year out. And, uh, you know, all the events throughout the season. But you almost forget until it comes around to the spring again. There's nothing that captures the wider public's attention like that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, I find almost, you know, we know that, but we have to remind ourselves because I suppose we're so locked into the calendar that we know it's not just another tournament, but we're so used to the other ones. But, you know, there is a, such a huge amount of people that um, it's the only suka they watch. Um, and yeah, you get the impression when, yeah, when you see numbers like that, sort of illustrates that, doesn't it? Um, it's amazing. It's amazing what that tournament can do. Um, so yeah, uh, that's why we all love it. Indeed, and another good good news story. I hear that tickets are selling really well for a number of banking events. No surprise, they're doing great business for the UK, also for the Masters. But I understand also for the Scottish Open in Edinburgh, really good ticket sales there, which is great news. The tournament going back to Scotland, Phil, for the first time since 2019 and we try and get behind all our events but I think particular we're going to have a particular passion for that one after uh, for, for reasons that we, you know, we we all know now well documented it was in England it was in Wales the Scottish Open now back in Scotland and the public there really get behind it which is great and in, 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 that, in that beautiful city so uh, good news there a anything more for you to say sir or should we disappear into the night um, well, well, this week there are, yeah, there are some qualifiers. So if you want to watch a bit stream, low-key streaming, I was just having a look, flick through the, uh, the Northern Ireland Open qualifiers. There are some good games coming up. So this starts on Tuesday, the 23rd, which is my birthday. Um, Jimmy Robertson versus Gary Wilson. That's a nice game on the first day. Day against Wollaston. But there was one match on Thursday, um, which will definitely be worth tuning into. One o'clock on Thursday. Ali Carter versus Ding Junhui. Now, that's not a bad qualifier, is it? Okay. So, uh, there's some other decent ones in there that you can have a look through, but um, that's certainly the standout. It doesn't look like a first-round game, does it? That, that's, that, that could have been a crucible semi-final in, in days gone by. Yeah. Never mind an early match like that. That's, uh, that's, that's a smashing match, yeah, indeed. And, of course, we should say that, that your details of all those matches will be on the World Snooker Tour website or snooker.org. Uh, which, um, yeah, as we said before, always lays everything out so clearly and, and so impeccably on that site. So we, we love looking at that. So there's qualifiers to come. In terms of big events, you know, main high-profile events, we're waiting a few weeks, but we've got loads coming up on the pod, Phil. And a reminder, Neil Robertson here in two weeks, kicking off our autumn season. We've earmarked Neil for September the 5th. Well, we're still keeping the lines active, Phil, in terms of questions, we've had a mountain in. We really have. People have been very good by keeping to one, by the way. Very, very, very impressed with that. But um, we, we are keeping them open. Tweet us at Talking Snooker or email talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. But loads of questions and loads of cracking questions. So no surprise. We're, we're getting closer and closer to Neil coming on. We really can't wait. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, no surprise that lots come in for Neil. Um, and we'll obviously have a lot to ask him ourselves. Um, and yeah, really good timing because we've not seen anything of him since the Crucible. So uh, plenty to speak to Neil about. Uh, always very engaging to listen to. So yeah, looking forward to that one very much, sir. In the meantime, God only knows what we're going to do next week, Phil. 
we've got a few we've got a few days to come up with a plan haven't we we're, we're, yeah. we're flying by the seat of our pants as we as, as we end our and end our summer season but we'll have something lined up mark our words and uh, <laughs> thanks for your company very much for this episode phil and uh, i guess we finished by saying congratulations to kyle morrison again and uh, by hook or by crook we'll be along again next time uh, to talk more snooker absolutely yeah well done to kyron got his hands on that unusual trophy give got to give the trophy a shout before we leave uh, one of one of the more unique ones on the tour and uh, i like it. it looks a bit sort of picasso-y um so yeah don't mind that at all but yeah well done to kyron great effort and, uh, yeah, pleasure to be here as always. Have a great time for the rest of your time in Iceland. Thank you, sir. I'm off, I'm off to the, the, the Golden Circle tomorrow, so I'm, I'll, I'll be seeing uh, uh, geysers and uh, waterfalls and all kinds of incredible... Vo- vo- just the general landscape. Even when you go anywhere, mm. it's like this sort of lava-like ash landscape in parts, volcanic ash. It's just, yeah, a real sort of... Um, it's got a sort of wonder of the world element to it, I have to say. And uh, I haven't been to any of the hot springs yet. We're doing that as well, going to the famous Blue Lagoon. So, yeah, that's very kind of you. And have, have a great week yourself. And uh, and uh, we'll, we'll gather here next time. Keep your thoughts coming, we should say, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. We have got a few general bits of correspondence. Well, no, no doubt we'll have another Your Views episode coming up some, sometime soon. So we do appreciate those. But in the meantime, that is that is pretty much it. We're, we're going to go. So, uh, so um, thanks for your company. One final time, goodbye, Phil. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, as always. Indeed, and uh, we'll be with you next time here on Talking Snooker. For now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.